Uh, yeah, but I just want to say, uh, Taproot, that we, yeah, we got away this weekend and uh, we had what we call our elders intensive. And what we mean by intensive, uh, it's not a retreat. Retreat kind of gives the, the, the mental picture of we sit back with, uh, with fancy drinks with umbrellas in our, in our hands. But no, that's not what this is. This is, we, we get together and we very intensely go over, like, what is the, where is the Lord leading us? We pray. We pray a ton for you guys. We pray uh, that the Lord will lead Taproot Church into this next year in a way that brings him much honor and glory. We, uh, we are very intentional about thinking about what are the things we want to see happening, and, uh, and I'm really excited. I'm really, really stoked, and I want to say thank you so much to you, Taproot, because I know many of you have been praying for us as we got away for that, and I just want to say it, it, uh, it bore a lot of fruit. It was very encouraging. It was a time where we got to spend together praying together in God's word and thinking through this next year, and it was very, very good. So uh, thank you, Tapper Church, for the opportunity that we got to get away and go do that. So that said, um, Mike tagged me in for this sermon where uh, there is not a whole lot of week to write this sermon. So uh, let's just pray the Spirit is just so good this morning, and what happens, happens. Uh, I did not get as much done as I'd normally hope to get done for a sermon, but I'm also really, really excited to get to preach God's Word this morning. So let's dig into it. But first, I just want to pray for us one more time. Um, Father, you're so good, and I thank you for your grace and your mercy this morning. Um, I love days like this that are just a little overcast and rainy, and they kind of... They, they feel cozy to me, and I pray that today we'd be a people that we, we kind of cozy up to you and your word and dependence upon you, that as we desire to be disciples, as followers of, of you and what your word calls us to be, that we would draw near to you, God. Here at Taproot, we say that we exist to know Jesus and to make him known. And I pray that today as we, as we talk about that whole aspect of knowing Jesus and depending on Jesus and following Jesus and being connected to the true vine and bearing much fruit, God, I pray that you'd bless us today and that this would uh, carry forth into our lives, that your word has meaning and that we would hear it and accept it and do it. So God, uh, bless us today. Bless this word. Bless me with the words. Help me to get out of the way here. Help my insecurities to get out of the way here. Help it to bring you much glory. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so we've been in the Sermon on the Mount for, we're coming up on a whole year now. Three chapters of Matthew, and we're taking on a whole year now. And, uh, and we're finally in the final stretch, Taproot. Like, we're finally, this is the final last little uh, section that Jesus has. And what he, what he does here is he gives us these different they're kind of illustrations. They're almost, uh, we're going to see a lot of the rest of Jesus' teaching is going to be in parables, which parables are just, they're basically illustrations that convey teaching to us um, in unique ways. And it's, these are like parable-esque illustrations. And the whole purpose of these uh, things is he talks about gates, and he talks about trees, and he talks about houses built on a good foundation, and he talks about doing what we hear. And, and as he gives these kind of illustrations, what he's doing is he's, he's helping us to see more and more clearly what does it look like to be the type of disciple of Jesus that actually hears and does everything he's been teaching so far on the Sermon on the Mount, right? And so he's, he's giving us these pictures, and he uses this gate and the tree and the house all to paint this picture of like, what does it look like for someone to actually take Jesus seriously, 
to actually say, Jesus, what you say is true, and I want to follow your way. I want to be a follower of what you call me to. And so he gives us these illustrations. So today, I'm going to tackle the first two, and then over the next couple weeks, Pastor Mike is going to take on the other ones and finish off our time in the Sermon on the Mount. So today, uh, the sermon is basically just titled, uh, Jesus is Teaching on Gates and Trees. (laughs) There's a lot more to it. I thought about calling it gates and trees and sheeps and wolves and other things, because there's a lot. There's just... There's stuff happening here, but I, uh, we're going to look at this and, and remind ourselves that this is, this is this kind of distilling down of what does the disciple of Jesus look like. Um, my hope is that as we, as we look at these, and if we call ourselves a Christ follower, that we take this call seriously and we ask ourselves. We, this is like going to be really good for some self-reflection and asking the Holy Spirit to, to help us as followers of Jesus to ask ourselves, am I a narrow gate kind of Christian? Like, do I... Do I find myself going down that more difficult path to follow Jesus and follow behind Jesus? Do I find myself being vulnerable and depending on Jesus in such a way that I'm being transformed? Uh, And then we'd ask ourselves, how is the fruit going in my life? How, How is the fruit? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it there? Is it not? And then not to be discouraged, but to be encouraged that we can come to God's word and we can ask ourselves those things because we have freedom in Christ to respond all of the time. Amen? Like, we always get the opportunity to respond. And so that's my hope here today. So let's dig in. Um, I kind of have two points, two sermons as it, as it is. <laughs> uh, first, the, one, the place I want to start out is the two gates, okay? Let's read that together and let's dig in a little bit. It says, uh, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it, uh, enter by, its, uh, by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Okay? So we have two gates here. Uh, for us... Gates kind of mean something different than they would have in the ancient mindset. Because for us, gates basically separate uh, chunks in our fence structure to keep things out or to keep things in. Uh, and, and they're just moments where you can maybe enter through those. And so, so for us, gates are like, yeah, it's great. I have a gate on my fence. But in the ancient world, this would have drawn a picture for Jesus' followers it, they, they would have been really, really clear here. Because they, had diff- they knew the, the purpose of the different kinds of gates. See, uh, some gates had the purpose of, basically the goal is crowd control. Crowd control. So a big wide gate was a gate that typically people used more often and was easier to enter in and out of into major areas where the common person or anyone could use often. Uh, One of the widest gates that would have been known in, say, like most of the cities that had walls and gates uh, would have been like the dung gate or the garbage gate or the yucky stuff gate because everyone needs to throw trash away. It's ridiculous how much trash we humans make, right? How much waste occurs in our lives. We have to throw away. And so it would have been this kind of picture of like, like there's this wide gate that's really, like those wide gates are used for lots and lots of traffic. Um, other gates would have been other smelly gates like the fish gate would have been common. That's where the fishermen would have brought in all of the fish into the marketplace. That would have been a very stinky gate as well, just saying. So, um, so Jesus here, this, it's, it would have just very, been very known that a wide gate represents commonality. Represents a place where it's wide, it's easy, 
Uh, large groups of people can come and go and whatnot. And so, uh, but Jesus here is adding this, this concept to thinking through, okay, he's calling us to something. He's calling us to this narrow gate. But let's, let's help us understand what he means by the, the gate that is wide leads to destruction. And remember, he's not just talking about that, that that's bad necessarily. He's just saying that uh, in being a disciple, always take going along with the majority and always just going along with what's easy or simple doesn't lead to life and fortunately leads to destruction. See, because uh, what we need to see is that when we always go with the majority, it leads us down not healthy paths all the time. But it's funny, that's so much our human condition. Like, there are studies done on how often people will lay down their personal values if they see the bulk of the people around them moving in a direction that's not according to their values. Have you seen that before? Well, that's just human nature. That's what we're like, and Jesus is calling us away from that. Just because everyone does it doesn't mean it's the best thing. Uh, parents in here, you may have heard your kids like, well, so-and-so does it, and how often have you responded with like, well, if so-and-so jumps off a cliff, are you going to follow him, right? Like, like, that's just, that's the old thing my parents would say to me all the time because I was a foolish kid that wanted to do what everyone else was doing because that's the cool thing to do. But no, Jesus is calling us into a discipleship that doesn't just go with the majority because we think the majority rules. Because we think that, oh, well, if everyone's picking it, then it must be right. He's challenging our thinking in that. And also, and this is like, this is hard for me because I'm, I'm a very peaceful person. I, uh, I like peace in my life. Anyone with me? I love when things are just simple, and you go from point A to point B, and you're done, and you sit back, and you kick your feet up, right? Like, that's, that's what I want a lot, and I want peace. And so, uh, so it can be common for me. I have to check myself and ask myself, am I allowing difficulty in my life? Am I allowing hard work? Am I allowing pressure and struggles to shape me? Or am I just always looking for the easy way around something? That's sort of the the mentality Jesus is calling out here. But then we talk about the narrow gate. Um, Narrow gates in the ancient world, they were reserved for those who were maybe nobles or kings or lords or their servants. Because they would have been smaller gates that led to more specific, uh, exclusive areas in these cities that not everyone should be going through, so they didn't need to be as large. And so therefore, if, uh, where Jesus is calling us, this is kind of a cool picture for us, is King Jesus is saying, enter the narrow gate. In a way, King Jesus is saying, follow me, your king, through the narrow gate. He's inviting us with him. And what's cool is what we're going to see in Matthew chapter 8, all the way through the rest of the, this gospel, is we're going to see Jesus leading us on what it looks like to live the narrow gate life. He's going to go before us as our king and show us that life. And so, um, but, but the reality is, is he's saying this gate is going to have hardship, and not as many are going to take it. It's not going to always just be the popular route. I want to remind us this is wisdom literature, uh, so so uh, it's, this is the by and large all the time. The Sermon on the Mount is very much wisdom literature. Uh, it doesn't mean every time that, that a large group of people decide something is good that it, it's automatically bad. We shouldn't have that. We should be asking ourselves, what is the wisdom that Jesus is calling us to? 
And truthfully, what it comes down to is we should look for the blessing in the difficult way of the narrow gate. So often, like I was just sharing a minute ago, I am, am prone to look for the easy way. I am prone, when things get a little hard, I will sometimes just lay down. It's like I think I would be the football player who my job was to stop the other football player from going and getting to the goal, and I'm the type of person that I just want to lay down and, and be like, you can go. <laughs> I have to check myself here, and instead, we as disciples can ex- expect that not only is the way hard, but the blessing is in the difficulty. Because in the difficulty, we grow. In the difficulty, we mature. In the difficulty, under the pressure, under the struggle, through the trial, we get to depend more deeply on our Savior. And we get to become more mature, more beautiful, more like our Savior, Jesus Christ, through the difficulty. But that's, that's hard to believe. I mean, our, our American lifestyle is so much like, man, every single commercial is either is, is some way telling you how to make your life easier, isn't it? We're indoctrinated with this concept of like, if, you, if things aren't getting easier, you must be doing it wrong. You guys ever feel that? You ever have, do you come across hard times in your life and automatically your first thought is like, wow, I must stink at life. I must be really bad at life because it just doesn't come easy. I just want to say, Christians, that if your life isn't coming easy, you're probably going down a good path. You're probably, like, I hope that your struggle is in Christ and you're trying to follow Jesus and that it is difficult. And man, I promise you that that is going to lead you to maturity as long as you're moving towards Jesus. If it's just always difficult, it might also be because you're just, you haven't ever grown. And so you've got to start somewhere by moving towards that growth, by going through the narrow gate. Um, I want to read a couple passages. So, so the, the Bible is really clear on this. In James, it says 1, 2 through 4. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Nothing. I just said nothing. Um, Romans 5, 3 through 5, not only, that, uh, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. It's this picture of the narrow gate way of following our Savior, Jesus. So I just want to give a few, uh, few pointers on what this looks like. Um, first of all, going the way of the narrow gate, one of the beauties of it is it makes you depend on God more. You with me? If we, if we never go and take on the hard things and face the hard things and deal with the hard things in healthy ways, and we always try to like lay down and let the defender run past you or whatever, then we, we, we don't learn to actually depend on the one who's promising he's going to hold us up. 
promising that he is going to take our burden ultimately, promising that he is the one who's going to, he, he has finished the work and we get to rely on him over and over and over again. So often we look at this passage, and this is something, I remember early on in my faith looking at this passage, and the way I read this was always like, okay, hey, so I have to go through the gate so I can just get to the other side. Like I'm very goal-oriented, like, okay, just get, go through the hard part, and then eventually I'll just be, I'll be perfect and good and done, and then I can just live the rest of my life as this perfect Christian that's fully dependent on Jesus. But I want to draw us to this, no, no, we're called into the gate onto the path. Jesus gives no picture of what the end looks like. The path itself is the work of salvation in our lives. It is the work of maturing us and growing us and distilling us into deeper, deeper disciples who depend on Jesus more and more. It's through the trials, through the difficulty, through the suffering that we learn to depend on Jesus more and more. Jesus in John calls himself the true vine. And he paints this picture of himself of being the true vine and calling those that follow them follow him to be connected to the true vine. Because through him being the true vine, we get what we need to be healthy trees. We'll get to that in a minute, though. And so uh, Jesus here, the, the only way to, to be more and more connected to the true vine is if we actually put our faith in and depend upon him as the true vine. And that requires going through difficult times that draw us to our knees and draw us to a dependence on him. Um, one thing I want to say is this dependence uh, oftentimes we kind, of, we kind of think of like a grin and bear it kind of mentality. So often, dependence more looks like humbling and surrendering ourselves in difficult and vulnerable ways. Most of the growth I have seen in my narrow gate life as a disciple of Jesus has been when I am weeping and confessing and struggling in difficult conversations with those that are closest to me that know my heart and know my desire to follow Jesus. Like my, the conversations I have that go till two in the morning with my wife are some of the most strengthening conversations I get to have that grow me in my dependence on Jesus because I learn about my sin, I learn about my struggle, I learn about my dependence on myself and on other things and I learn that I need to turn to Jesus and depend upon him. So, so often this, this kind of narrow path looks more like things like vulnerability, Right? It looks more like honesty. It looks more like telling yourself the truth instead of believing the lies of the enemy. That's so hard because we get really good at listening to those lies that permeate our life and to start to try to destroy us from the inside out. And it's really hard to stop the shame cycle and to say, but what is the truth? And to go to God's word and say, God, what is the truth? No, you call me son. And not only son, but heir of your kingdom, Lord, and you are rescuing me from, from, from that sin that I feel so terrible about. That's the kind of vulnerability, that's the kind of truth-telling of yourself that, that can do this strengthening work in us that continues to help us to depend on our Savior, Jesus. I think of, uh, like, look at creation. Um, so a diamond... You've probably heard this illustration. You've been in church for... What is required for a diamond to become a beautiful diamond? Pressure. Lots and lots and lots of pressure, right? And then eventually, over time, the pressure creates this thing that we spend so much money on. But man, they're beautiful, right? They're valuable. They're precious. What makes them precious? Well, they, they underwent tons of pressure to become what they are. They're unique. It, just like the narrow gates illustration here, there's less of them as to their value. 
Or trees. I think we're talking about trees today. Let's talk about trees. What makes a healthy tree? Lots and lots of Idaho wind. Amen? <laughs> like, like, a tree is designed to grow once pressure is put on it. And then what happens when that pressure gets put on that beautiful tree? Its roots dig deeper. Right? It's through the difficulty. We can see it in creation around us that, that when it comes to beauty and majesty and growth and maturity, difficulty is usually associated in some form or kind. And it's learning to stand up under that pressure. And Jesus calls us to what we can stand up in, and it is, and it is himself. He, will be, he says, I will bear your burdens. Lay them on me. It's this call that he calls us to depend on him with whatever it is we're struggling through. And as we do that, we'll see growth and maturity in our lives. Um, have you guys seen the movie Walter Mitty, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty? That's your homework, okay? If you haven't seen it, it's just so good. It's like in my top five movies. It's so, so, so good. But ba the basic storyline of this movie is you have this ho-hum fella named Walter Mitty who, who works for a magazine company, and he basically um, he, he develops film for, their, for the pictures in their magazine. And he just, like, he just doesn't do anything difficult. He wakes up, he goes to work, he does his job, he goes home. But the whole time, he's like pining for this better life. Like, he knows there's more out there. He knows there's more. He is in love with this girl, but he, he, can't, he can't tell her he's in love with her because, man, that, just would, that would require too much of him. So he just kind of lives his ho-hum life. And then he's sort, sort of forced into a situation where he has to, like, actually try. He has to actually care. He has to actually put himself out there in vulnerable ways, in scary ways, in difficult ways. And what you see is this beautiful cinematography cinemagraphic story of this, this guy exploring that like once you go and you put yourself out there and you try, it leaves this beautiful life. It's such a fun movie and I love it for that because it, it does this thing in me when I watch it that I just get excited where I just, I want to ride a longboard down a volcano. Like that's, that's where it like it gets me there because it's so, so fun. Um, this is the picture, these are the pictures I have in my head. So, and so, um, and what I want to say too is that in this pressure, as we depend on Jesus, by being narrow-gate Christians, by going through difficult times, trusting in Jesus to rescue us, to be with us, to carry us, to work with us, to grow us, as we mature, as we grow, we bear fruit. So let's go to point two. Trees. So then Jesus, let's continue on in the text here. He says, "'Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing.'" But inwardly, inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. That's emphasis. And when Jesus emphasizes something, he usually means it. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Um, God is really proud of trees. <laughs> he is, and he should be. Uh, he, he uses them all throughout Scripture to paint these pictures of what, 
what it looks like to, like, honestly, if you look through and you, uh, one of my favorite things I've been learning from this podcast called The Bible Project is that humans are trees. Like, so often we're compared in scripture as trees. We're trees. That's good. So when you see a tree in scripture, you can sort of plug yourself in there. Psalm 1 says, the first psalm says that he who meditates on the law day and night is like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. It's this beautiful picture of trees. Humans are trees. And Jesus is no different here. Jesus carries forth this conversation that humans are trees. And he compares us to trees in such a, such a cool way. I love it. This happens over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, it's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a writing style that's used throughout scripture by multiple authors in different contexts is supposed to draw us back to this thinking pattern. So it's just like high places. Every time that high places are mentioned in scripture, we're supposed to think of, of God's glory and majesty, okay? His, like he is over all things. It's this high place thing. Every time you see a tree, we should ask ourselves, what's good, what's bad? How am I doing? Am I healthy? Am I a good tree? Am I a bad tree? What am I doing? How's it going? How am I doing, okay? Um, and so we see that human, or humans are trees. And we remember the teaching that I just mentioned a little bit ago in John, where Jesus says that he is a true vine. And we just, we're like, we're, we're distilling down. So we just talked about this gate. Okay, so, okay, I want to be a narrow gate disciple of Jesus. So I'm going to go the narrow gate, and now we're distilling it down. Okay, what does it look like for those that have now claimed to go through the narrow gate, who are narrow gate people? Well, they'll be like a tree. They will bear fruit. So it's just like this, this picture that's kind of continue going down into like distilling and helping us see what does it look like for us to actually be disciples of Jesus. And one of the keys from this teaching is that trees bear fruit, okay? We'll talk about false prophets in a little bit, but I want to just focus a little bit on the fruit, okay? So I want to, I want to just point out to us what is good fruit? Because it's a very important question we need to ask ourselves before we get into this teaching is what is good fruit? Um, I want to go to Matthew 12, 33 through 37. We're going to get here probably in 2024. Um, <laughs> Mike said he's kidding. Okay. Um, Jesus teaches further on trees. It's pretty cool. Um, and he says this. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. He's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, the, the religious people at the time who were um, claiming basically to be followers of Jesus but really were false uh, in their following, okay? It says, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. And so one of the, one of the first things I want to point out here is that so much our fruits, the things we bear, are our words. Our words. I don't know about you, but that makes me be like, okay. It's really easy to jump over to, like, fruits of the Spirit, right? But, like, I just want to pause here and be like, no, our words are part of the fruit that we bear as trees. So when Jesus is talking about good fruit and bad fruit, that's the funny thing about trees is usually diseased trees just don't bear fruit. 
But Jesus is making a point here that like, no, 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 we as trees, human trees, us human trees, we, we bear fruit regardless. Because so often our words and whether they carry aspects that are part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, things like the fruit of the Spirit, our words either reflect that because that is what's inside of us or they reflect other things. That's why it's so important to to be aware of the words that come out of our mouths. There's so much of the fruit. But we live in a cable news, social media world right now, don't we? You know? And sadly, I'm not, I don't have any social media, but uh, I hear through other people basically that, that, man, I just hear situations where Christians will get up and blast people or other Christians and that just breaks my heart. That should not be who we are. We should be bringing something the world doesn't offer. We should be bringing Jesus. And it is so important for us to go to Galatians and look at the fruits of the Spirit. I want to look at them really quick with us, okay? So Galatians 5, 22 and 23, uh, Paul gives us a list. I want, to, I want to just make the point that this list is not exhaustive, but it is a helpful list for us to look at. Um, so 22 and 23 say this. says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And I just, I, that list is so helpful. And we would do well to have that list memorized and ready at all times to be able to, to, to really ask ourselves, how are we doing? How's the list going? How, uh, not, not, not in the, uh, you we have to work to earn our salvation way, but more of a, because I'm a follower of Jesus, I want to check in on the work that Jesus is doing in me, right? And then we would be people that, that ask ourselves, do my words reflect love, patience, joy? Here's what's so cool, is Jesus has already done the work and justified us. We are new things. So even if we can look and say, you know, I really struggle with that patience thing. I get real impatient, and I just jump in on everyone's sentences and what they're saying and feel like I, I'm the authority and need to tell them how to, how to be and how to, and, I, and you notice that in yourself, man, thank you, Holy Spirit, for that conviction, for that opportunity to recognize that. How can I be uh, desiring to draw near to Jesus and therefore produce good fruit that looks like patience? I don't know. Um, it's just, it's really helpful. And uh, um, before we go too far, I just want to look at 1 Corinthians 13. Because as much as like that list is helpful, um, 1 Corinthians 13 starts us off really, really well. Uh, 1 through 3 just says this. It says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, sacrifice everything, but have not love, I gain nothing. The Apostle Paul makes makes a really clear point that we, as followers of Jesus, if we are connected to Jesus, if the Holy Spirit is in us, if we are being transformed by his work and by that narrow path kind of life, love will be the marker that comes out of our mouth and through our actions. 
And through that love, like, like people will hear something unique in their lives because they will, they will experience something the world cannot offer. They will experience the goodness of Jesus. And so when we talk about good fruits, we talk about, we, we have to ask ourselves, what, um, I, I distill down to two things, it's words and actions. Words and actions. Works and actions of the follower of Jesus, that's what the fruit is. Words and actions of the not follower of Jesus as well, because trees just bear fruit, whether it's good fruit or bad fruit. And so, um, so we have to ask ourselves a little bit, like, what is bad fruit? Well, I think Jesus made really, really clear in that Matthew passage that uh, bad fruit looks like evil actions or evil words. Um, and oftentimes, what happens when we, when we follow false prophets, it's because they have an ability to be impressive or knowledgeable in such a way that we'll sort of not care so much about their words and actions, but we kind of do this follow the majority because they're really impressive and knowledgeable. And we have to be really careful. Impressive and knowledge and propheticness or, uh, and gen- giving away of all your stuff and even like you just said that you can have all that and still lack love. And so we can't let impressiveness, popularity, majority, knowledge even be the marker what we think is a good teacher, someone who's, who's, who's good at speaking to us on behalf of God. We have to be really careful to know that the, the, those aren't necessarily good fruit. They can be there, but man, the thing we should really be asking ourselves is where's, what, where's the fruit? What is the fruit? Is it marked by love? Is it marked by uh, patience? Is it marked by peace? Is it marked by joy? Is it marked by gentleness? Is it marked by self-control? Can we see that in their words and actions and ask those questions? And so here's my tip. Is it, um, as we ask ourselves to beware of false prophets, that that is definitely part of this, um, I find that word beware kind of interesting because um, we need to make sure that that's not the same word as fear, okay? Jesus makes it really clear not to fear, uh, fear circumstances, fear situations. He, he commands us multiple, multiple times to fear not certain things. But there is this aspect of bewaring, and Jesus does call us to beware certain things. Uh, that word beware actually just means to be cautious about something, to be aware of something for the health um, it's really, really healthy to be aware of things, uh, especially the things that Jesus calls us to. But to live out of fear, the only thing we should ever really fear is the Lord, because that leads to wisdom. Um, but we need to be aware that there are those who are false prophets that can be amongst us. And we, we are to be aware of them, right? Uh, I want to talk about what we can do with them, but I just want to make this point. Uh, so often, their intentions are probably pretty good. Like, very rarely does, a, does a, a wolf in sheep's clothing actually recognize that they are a wolf. <laughs> they fooled themselves by their good disguise, usually, is the case, when I've interacted with people that maybe would fit this category. They maybe have really good intentions, but unfortunately what they do is they make others stumble, they lead them astray from Jesus and his word. They they can cause general mayhem in his church. They cause fear. They call attention to themselves and their goodness. 
But here's the thing. We need to know, like, what do we do with false prophets? So someone who we can look at and we can say, man, they just don't bear fruit in their lives. Uh, I, wanted, I just want to make it clear. The Bible never says that we kick them out or cancel them. Instead, we need to assess them, assess the fruit, and ask ourselves, should we be listening and following what they say and then limit their voice in our lives if there's no fruit there. So here's my advice. Uh, become a learner under dead people. There are some amazing men and women, godly men and women, who they have stood the test of time. They've, they've run the good race. There's plenty of dead people that are really, really smart and really, really good at following Jesus, and they, their lives represent lives lived in obedience and dependence on Jesus Christ. So I think of people like, like Eugene Peterson is a great example. He's left behind him a legacy. And he died, of, like, I think, five or six years ago. He's someone, read up on him. Uh, St. Augustine was a rock star. Mother Teresa is a great example of a woman who lived her life devoted to Jesus. And there's more and more and more. So sometimes we get caught up in kind of the like popularity of our day. And like, trust me, there is some great men and women who, who bear much fruit that we can follow today. But if we want to be, feel really secure, it's okay for us to crack open a book that comes from a dead person every once in a while. That's, it's not going to hurt you. It's not, it's not wrong. It's, uh, it's, it can be really, really, really helpful. Um, I would just be careful that if all we're listening to are the voices currently right now, um, I have been burned a few times because I've listened to a few people that have not been marked by good fruits in their life. Unfortunately, have led secret lives. And that can be hard on the follower of Jesus, right? I'm sure many of you are in here feeling similar things. Um, The other thing I want to say is that... um, we're not to kick out. I don't know why the church has gotten such a bad rap for this, because it's done a poor job maybe, but um, man, we need to be long-suffering with one another. Jesus says this. He says uh, in Matthew 5, he says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. So even if we saw false prophets amongst us, we're not just to like kick them out, cancel them, we're to love them. Pray for them, care for them, because, man, we would love to see their restoration in the truth of the gospel. Is not Paul, the Apostle Paul, a beautiful picture of a false prophet who is restored in Jesus Christ? The guy went around, he was leading militias who were dragging Christians, Christ followers, into the squares of towns and stoning them. And Jesus got a hold of him and revealed the truth of himself to Paul. And Paul, I'm so thankful for Paul because we have most of our New Testament because of him. Because he was transformed by the truth of the gospel. And we should desire that for anyone amongst us, even the false prophets. We should love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us. We should seek the restoration of those amongst us. When you or I are bearing bad fruit, gosh, I hope you don't kick me out. Gosh, I hope you don't just cancel me. I hope that I have brothers and sisters in this room who would come alongside me and want to see me bear good fruit and helping me to see the way of the narrow path 
and that we can go down that way together and follow our King Jesus together. Amen? And if you're in here today and you're, you're asking yourself, like, well, I just, man, I've not, I've not dug into my discipleshipness. I've not been someone who's actually just entered in the narrow gate. I want to say that the invitation is absolutely open. And it has been my experience that this is a family that we can do that together. And so I just want to encourage us to be people that have a desire to be trees that bear good fruit. And so let's do it together in community. Bearing all things with one another, long-suffering with one another, loving one another in grace and truth. And so as we see Jesus painting this picture and refining more and more and distilling down what it looks like to be a true follower of Jesus... This is a high calling, church. This is hard stuff we're talking about. Let's, those of us that maybe have been trees a little longer, good trees with somewhat good fruit for longer, let's help out those younger saplings who are just starting to bear new fruit, right? One of the things we talked about our intensive is, man, we really want to just continue to dig deep into the concept of discipleship in this church. That we would, be, we would have the desire to see disciples making disciples, making disciples, and making disciples. And the way we do that is, is, is going to be taking that narrow path. It's going to look like going to our home groups and actually engaging in our home groups. Not just going and eating the meal and sitting back, but like sometimes we're going to have to pull someone aside and say, hey, I need help in this. I struggle with this. I want you to help me know the way of Jesus like this. It's going to require taking down our armor and being a little vulnerable with one another. Man, that's terrifying to us. We're so good at armoring up and never letting anyone in. But whether we're married, whether we're single, whether we're uh, whatever it is, whether we're a younger person in Taproot Church, that we would desire to, to in community, bear these things with one another and, and strengthen one another and push each other towards the goal that is Jesus Christ together. So we can do so in community. Um, this requires us to truly be connected to the vine, who is Jesus. And so I would just highly, highly encourage that in order to be this kind of disciple, this narrow gate, this bearing fruit kind of disciple, we, we have to actually be with Jesus. And the ways we be with Jesus is we, we spend time with him. Now, there's a lot of different personalities in here, but there's also a lot of ways to be with Jesus. And be with, like, uh, I would start by kind of looking at the pie graph of the time you spend on things, right? And at least highlight kind of what's taking up that, most of that chunk. Take sleeping out. You know, sleeping doesn't count. We're not putting that on the pie chart right now. We're talking about those awake hours, Right? Is it, are you staring at that screen and that social media account the bulk of your time? Are you playing video games the bulk of that time? Are you watching movies the bulk of that time? Are you watching TV the bulk of that time? And I'm not saying that any of that needs to go away necessarily. I'm just saying that let's, let's find a little balance in the time that we're actually with Jesus. And also, what I love is bringing Jesus into me with any of those situations as well. That at least I think counts as partial credit. Amen? <laughs> This idea of like, man, when I'm watching a movie, I should be engaging, what is this t telling me about Jesus? I should be engaging in conversations with my wife or my friends or my kids. 
what do you think that uh, was telling us about God? Or what do you, like, did you notice that there was a redemption theme and arc in that story? Let's talk about that a little bit. That's, I love that stuff, because, man, that's bringing Jesus into those beautiful creative spaces where worldly people have no idea, but they're telling the story of Jesus over and over and over again through their movies and through their stories. It's great. It's fun. But what does it look like to truly be with Jesus? And it requires sacrifice. It requires time. It requires energy. Um, for me, if I'm just really honest with myself, I waste a lot of time on stuff that I could be with Jesus in if I'm just really, really honest with myself. So yeah, reading, praying, disciplining yourself, um, having routines and structures in your life that allow for you to do so. Just flying by the seat of your pants makes it a little harder to actually have time to be with Jesus unless you're a superhuman, unlike myself. But, um, but you know, having those rhythms and routines in your life where you, you have markers where you say, this is how I'm gonna be. Matter of fact, this, the, the last two weeks have been really, really tough for me because I was on vacation. Vacation's one of the hardest places to, like, to, to keep your routines because you throw everything out the, the window for a while and you, just, you wake up at different times and it's crazy. But it was really, really fun um, to spend the time with my wife. And we had lots of really sweet conversations we can't always have when the kids are around 24-7. It was beautiful. So there was lots of redemption there. But then this week, I went on this elders intensive and I slept until nine one day. Pastor John yelled at me. <laughs> but man, it felt really good. <laughs> but it threw on my rhythm. But so when we throw the rhythms off, we also need to know that, you know, uh, what does it look like to get back in those healthy rhythms? It's like, it's like working out for me. I, when you get out of working out routinely, it's so hard to get back in. You just have to be like, I'm just going to do it, dang it. It requires a little tenacity, right? Um, Let's be those people that we're, we're constantly just desiring to be with Jesus because he is our savior. He is our rescuer. He is so good. And let's ask ourselves, in what ways can we limit those other voices in our lives? We live in this unique era where, man, when we're talking about prophets, we're talking about people that are speaking on behalf of God to his people. We have access to a lot of that nowadays. In Jesus' time, there would have been a few rabbis around town Few scribes, few Pharisees, few people. Here, it's like we can get on the internet, we can listen to whatever pastor, whatever podcast, whatever news feed. What, like, there's so many voices coming at us all the time. We need to be people that we discern what is healthy voices in our life and what is maybe not healthy voices and limit those voices that maybe aren't super helpful. That's the concept of beware false prophets, is being aware, so limiting their impact on your life. Okay? And ultimately, as we dig down deep into this and we ask ourselves, okay, am I, how, how's my gate life going? Am I, am I narrow gating it or am I just taking the wide easy path all the time? Am I allowing the pressure of difficulties, of trials and struggles to, to transform and shape me? And then am I bearing good fruit? That's another factor in this that leads into this. Are we being transformed and is fruit bearing in our lives? And in what way can we together as a community help stir up good things in one another all to the glory of God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Um, I pray that you'd bless our day today, um, this cozy, rainy, overcast day. And I, I thank you so much for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would bless us with a desire to know you more and more deeply. Here at Tapper, we say we exist to know Jesus and to make him known. And so, Father, just help us to 
to really dig into that know Jesus part of that. And then out of that, I pray, Lord, that you would bear much fruit here in this church for us as followers, that we would bear much fruit in what it would look like to love one another and the people in our circles and the world around us so well that people can hear the inviting good news that we have through your son Jesus to salvation and victory. Help us to, to continue this morning to worship you, to praise you, to thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this community. Thank you for this family. I pray that we continue to dig deep into it and desire you overall. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.